0: Hey, folks, it's Marvin Cash. I'm the host of the Articulate Fly, and I'm here with my buddy, artist Brian Hester. Welcome to the show, Brian. Thank you so much. We're going to have a great afternoon here. We're actually at Christopher's in Matthews, North Carolina, and Brian's got a beer. I'm going to get one in a minute, but before we get rolling, I just want to give a shout out to our sponsor for this episode. It's Jesse Brown's Outdoors, and they're located in Charlotte, North Carolina, Uh, and they are your one-stop shop for all of your outdoor needs. You can check them out at www.jessebrowns.com. So, Brian, I start all of my interviews by asking my guests to share their earliest fishing memory.
1: Earliest fishing memory. Well, hang on just two seconds. Right before I give you all of that, I need to give a shout-out to – I I really want to – give a shout out to my mom and my dad for cultivating this opportunity in terms of me being who I am right now. And then also my wife for putting up with all of my crap up to this particular point in time, because without her, me sitting here and talking to you, it's not going to happen. So,
0: you know, I, I, that's really great. And I always believe we all stand on the shoulders of other people. And I think it's really important to be appreciative and, and give back. So I think that's really great that you shared that with us this afternoon. Awesome. Yeah. So on to to fishing memories.
1: Absolutely. So the earliest fly fishing or the earliest fishing experience, I remember um, running through the Edmonston pasture. I grew grew up in Boone, born and raised in Boone, North Carolina. Um, And I remember running through the Edmonston pasture all the way down to the New River, barefooted through, and and by the way, that was a cow pasture. So there was a lot of, a lot of up and dodging um and uh all the way down to the new river and at that particular time and point i was i was catching brown trout and rainbow trout in the new and uh, even some smallies very very close to my home which wasn't you know maybe 500 600 yards from the house Very cool. And was that fly fishing
0: or did you kind of come to the dark side a little bit later in life?
1: I came to the dark side a little bit later. It was all, originally it was conventional tackle, but after about, uh, I would say close to freshman year, 14 years of age, all the conventional tackle pretty much went away and everything was pretty much on the fly at that time. Very cool. And as you kind of got deeper and deeper into the fly fishing side
0: of the sport, um, who were some of your mentors?
1: that's that's a little bit of a double-edged sword um mentors for me actually crossed over between the artistic side as well as the 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 fly fishing side or i should say the fishing side because one my dad cultivated the fishing experience early on very very early on from six seven eight all the way up until i kind of took over when i was eight because i was good at it and um and as far as the art side most recently uh for me and i'll start start now and then back up a little bit ad maddox and uh those of you listening to the podcast probably know ad's work she is absolutely phenomenal uh at the apex of the pyramid in terms of uh of pioneering this whole niche market of uh paintings uh having to do with fly fishing paintings having to do with trout anything having to do with fly fishing in general and uh de um these people have most recently actually set the stage for where i'm going and when i say set the stage for where i'm going meaning i've, I've taught visual arts for the last 28 years in public high school and it's it's time to kind of either put up or shut up because I'm coming very, very close to the end of my career and it's time to kind of phase that part out and move into the next phase, which is going to end up being, uh, hopefully a painting career and a sculpting career. And with these mentors, uh, A.D. is literally a text away, and she's always giving me input. And she basically befriended me on a whim where I was just like, I'm not stalking you, but I kind of enjoy painting the same things you do. Do you mind responding to me? So I get a text and then a call from her, and she has been absolutely wonderful. And then flip that, put it, flip it on his head, my, uh, when I did my student teaching right out of college, his name was Dean Johns. And Dean taught me, he just basically compiled four years of an undergraduate education into that 11 weeks of student teaching and basically said, you know, visual arts teachers are not dummies. We don't finger paint, we actually make the world go around. And I remember him pouring through these lesson plans and saying, Your punctuation's horrible. You need to learn how to read and write. What are you doing? And it was humbling, very, very humbling. And I kind of got all of this from a bunch of different angles. Like Dean was huge in terms, he's instrumental in terms of me being who I am in the classroom. And who I am in the classroom. Kind of cultivates who I am as a visual artist as well, because if I'm going to practice what I preach, then there's a little bit of a symbiotic relationship there. So,
0: Very interesting. Yeah, it's always, I think, great, you know, whatever it is that you're passionate about to have other people take an interest in seeing you develop. Um, so it's always great to kind of hear who those special people were, whether it was in your fishing life or your life as an artist. Absolutely. So if we back up just a little bit, so you kind of pick up the fly rod seriously when you're a freshman in high school. When did the kind of the art bug hit you?
1: It was about the same time because I, I was an odd bird. Uh, in elementary school all the way through middle school and then into high school. Uh, I was an athlete, I, I swam, uh, but you know, when you're staring at a black line at the bottom of the pool, there's, there's a lot of time to think about things. And, um, I kind of found myself wishing that when I was in the pool training, that I was in different water and that water would be running, you know, under my knees And, uh, so every single time practice was over with, and I had an opportunity to either catch a ride with someone and, or, uh, be with a buddy that wanted to fish. That's, that's what we did because it didn't cost anything. You know, the, I mean, we were tying flies. We we were into it early and we were figuring out that it was a cheap way to have a lot of incredible fun in, in Boone because the surrounding areas of Boone are chuck full of of fish that people have absolutely no clue about, and I want to keep it that way.
0: Yeah, it's amazing what a 50- or 100-yard walk will do to protect a
1: place. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you're right. Yes, Marvin, you're correct. Um, the... Uh... <laughs> So, uh, you know, I've
0: seen your work. I know you do acrylics. I know you do sculptures. You know, I've seen your stuff on Facebook. You've got some watercolors. You've got some pen and ink stuff. What's your favorite medium to create
1: in? Uh, the favorite is uh, acrylic on canvas. I'm a huge advocate for painting and acrylics one i don't have the patience for oils um i'm not bashing oil paintings because obviously that has its place and <laughs> ad is brilliant in her work and she paints in oils uh on belgian linen and um i think that uh, that my place is with acrylic painting um I don't know. To be honest with you, I think that my versatility, being able to see on a three dimensional format uh, and then also on a 2D linear format um, and build on a 2D linear format a 3D look, uh, that has a lot of weight. Uh, And being a visual arts teacher has kind of taught me that both of those have an equilibrium. And I like kind of pushing the envelope with my sculptures, and I also like pushing it with the acrylic uh, on canvas. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And just for a layman,
0: can you help us understand kind of what that difference is between painting an acrylic and painting an oil? And kind of, because you made a comment earlier about, you know, liking acrylics more, and it was better than oil painting, but, you know, I'm not an artist, so I don't know kind of what that technical difference is.
1: Uh, Yeah, uh, with with oil paints, you you have a tendency, first and foremost, with oil paints, you're not going to get a dry time anytime soon um, with just basic application. Uh, With oil paints, there's going to be a lot of marbleizing. There's going to be a lot of uh, uh, blending and and, and potentially some layering that goes on. And then, based upon viscosity, a lot of people use uh, different uh, oils in the paints to kind of help thin them out for various looks and stylizations. As far as acrylics are concerned, the viscosity... Of acrylics is that it's a polymer base and so water soluble which means that based upon application you're gonna get a dry time that's gonna be much much quicker and when I'm able to put layer after layer after layer down with acrylics I have been working for basically the last 30 years to try to make acrylics do what oils look like. So when you look at my work, you can kind of go in and pinpoint a uh, perfect example. And I keep, I, I hate to keep going back to this, but when I was talking with AD on the phone, she was like, she's like, I can see. And when you're painting in your oils and I was like, whoa! whoa, 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 whoa. no, uh, this is, this is all acrylic. And she goes, what? So that, that was a, that was kind of a revelation for me and I guess kind of one of those inadvertent pat on the backs because I've been working very, very hard to make acrylics do what oils look like because that oils give you that juicy kind of really glossy look and that's what I'm constantly pushing towards with my acrylic painting.
0: Got it. Well, that's, that's really helpful. And so you started kind of fly fishing in your art interest. They started But about the same time when you're 14, 15 years old, were you drawing and painting fishing things as a kid or did that come later in life?
1: Uh, Much later. uh, I remember Ron Taylor, uh, one of my painting professors in college, uh, I did a piece uh, of a water scene and I knew just enough about directional lighting and reflection and refraction to get myself in trouble. And I remember him looking at my work and going, what are you What are you doing, man? Why are you not into this full time and actually digging this? And I think back to that time frame, and I was like, man, I did. I missed the boat. I missed the boat. But I didn't really miss the boat because I really enjoyed my run in education for the last 25-plus years. Art education, that is. But you know i think that there's a lot to be said for (laughs) you know just as an in general where where i'm going and and what i'm doing and and even though i came at it late uh, i finally realized what he was saying so here we go
0: sounds good and so so we talked a little bit about the technical differences between oils and acrylics Mm -hmm. um how would you summarize your style so you've talked about you know you do the medium you like you've talked about some of your influences and mentors, but mm-hmm. how would you summarize your
1: style wow that's that's good uh, I would have to jump into contemporary pseudo realism, and when I say contemporary pseudo realism. Uh, a ton of my work is based upon inversion and also substitution. So when you look at my piece, and I'm emulating or trying to duplicate what it looks to looks like to stand underneath the Linco Viaduct and look across the vast Blue Ridge on the backside of Grandfather Mountain, why uh, the rules are to be broken, are they not? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so if rules are made to be broken, even in law, I guess. I'm just kidding. That's a joke. Anyway, if rules are made to be broken, why can I not take the Blue Ridge Mountains and push them under the water table and have two massive rainbow trout swimming across the top of the Blue Ridge and then use the sky as the top of the water table? There's no rule that says I can't. So if I'm able to pull that off and make you go, whoa, wait a minute, you could do that. Or even better, if I can take a brown trout and actually dump him inside of a two-finger whiskey on ice, well, the ice might emulate rocks. Well, the rocks could be like on the bottom of a river, and this brown trout's actually coming up, which ultimately creates a a lovely marriage because some fly fishermen I know enjoy a whiskey after a long day on the river and even a cigar where the cigar smoke might actually elevate off of a whiskey glass and that smoke might kind of form itself or sculpt itself into a rising rainbow trout. Who knows? Very cool. And how did your painting and
0: sculpting style uh, evolve over time to get to kind of where you are today?
1: I think a lot has to do with me being in the classroom because I see kids now, and even though technology has kind of bottlenecked kids where I think technology... I'm not going to keep using the proverbial double-edged sword, but technology is absolutely a hammer on kids now. Uh, Makes them lazy. Um, It also, I mean, technology makes everybody lazy, unless mentally you can have enough intestinal fortitude to go after something and dig, 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 dig. Well, sometimes kids that are in the classroom are figuring out stuff that's really, really innovative and really cool. So if I'm standing over the top and watching a, a kid do something, you know, with temper paint that I haven't seen before, just based upon, you know, a simple demo in class and the kid actually just takes it and runs with it. I'm like, Hey, that's pretty cool. You keep that up. You know, Johnny, Good job, and I will put that in the Rolodex. So it's a, it's a win-win. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Take from the kids. I'm <laughs> kidding.
0: Very cool. And um, share with us um, some of the biggest. I ask this, like I ask a similar question to a fishing guide uh, that I interview. Uh, share your biggest conception misconception that you think uh, people have about art and artists. <sighs>
1: um. I think that a lot of artists out there that are very serious about their niche and about serious about making a life with art. I mean, here I am a visual arts high school art teacher. So I'm back practicing. I'm doing what got me into my role as a career in the first place. Um I think a huge misconception with the general public is the labor and the hourage and the concept and the effort put into it. And I always draw this parallel and I'm, and you're, I know that you're probably going to hit me over the head with your microphone and I'm okay with that too. But, um, you know, a really, really, really bad attorney lawyer is still probably worth 125 an hour, but a great one, a great attorney is worth 500 an hour or even $7.50 Seven fifty an hour, and I always think of stuff like that because when artists are creating, which I think artists are the ones that make the world go around, we're the ones that actually breathe life into what is not really our reality, and when you have somebody with brilliant concept, brilliant approach, brilliant uh, perspective, and can, you know, Marry all of those aspects and take those puzzle pieces and put them together. Then you have, I mean, it's a perfect storm. It's an absolute perfect storm. And, and then all it takes is that one individual to walk by and go, Whoa, 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 wait a minute. That's, that's pretty, that's pretty incredible. And also, their, their education, because it's an evolution. You learn as you go. And if you're hungry enough, you'll continue to want to learn. Like, I haven't even scratched the surface with what I'm doing. There's no way at the age of 50 I'm even close. I have a skill set. I have technical prowess. and But I'm hungry, and I'm after it, and I want to get better. So I talk about this with all due respect to all you know, areas of careers in general. It's the labor, it's the concept, it's the intensity, it's the drive, and it's the determination. And ultimately, the 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 what hurts the worst is being an artist. Is you know the the what what is it, the proverbial uh, art is in the eye of the beholder. I mean, you've got to find that individual or those individuals that really dig what you're doing and. I'm in a very, very, very niche market with what I'm doing. So I'm getting ready to start doing pieces of golf and pieces of this, that, and the, I'm kidding. Yeah. I'm kidding. Yeah, I Although I did do a piece with golf in a McAllen's Fifth and... Yeah, I saw that. It was on your Facebook page. I think you posted in the last two weeks. Right, and it was, and and notably, I put on the 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 bent pitching wedge because that's my golf game. Yeah,
0: I gave up golf a long time ago. (laughs) Uh, The uh, so I know you're busy. So I know you teach uh, at Myers Park High School in Charlotte. I know you got three kids. So how do you find time to be consistently creative and produce pieces?
1: you know i don't necessarily sleep a lot my brain's always working in terms of trying to find that next piece and a lot of times the the evolution of one piece will actually lend itself and move me into another and um i'm really excited about that that phase it means that my brain's working and 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 i'm good um but i do a lot of work at about the 530 time frame in the morning i get up very very early and i i work in my classroom prior to the kids coming in and and then as soon as the kids are gone um i'm i'm back at it but and i try not to necessarily bring a ton of my my work home so that i can spend some quality time with my wife but if you're hungry you figure out a way to make it happen so that's my story and i'm sticking to it Yeah. It
0: makes a lot of sense and we've talked a little bit but you know where did the inspiration
1: for your pieces come from well one being out on the water um it, we practice what we preach uh, i'm a very passionate fly fisherman i don't get to do it as much as i want to but um it's it's who i am they say that uh it's not a it's not a hobby. It's not a passion. It's a way of life, and it is. And again, you know, given the fact that I'm married up, she has tolerated a lot of uh, of time away in terms of being on the water uh, to to not only document what I'm doing, but that's also my 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 zen. It's my my chi. So I can I can let things go and and be one with that moment. Because once you hook up with a you know a 22 inch brown. On the South Holston, and, and, and even more so on 6X Tippett, and you've got to know how to play and fight. You've got to be focused and you've got to be ready to go. So that's important as well. And I'm always documenting that. I'm looking at the fight. I am. I'm oddly enough, I am looking at the fight, and I'm going, okay, that's cool. I just started a series of watercolor pieces, just just most recently called the fight series, and you can see that on my website. You can also see it on my Instagram, and you know, I'm I'm pretty pumped about it. So it's an awareness when you're in the middle of it, and, and that's me. I yeah. try
0: to be aware and be present. Right? Be present. Yes, absolutely. And so you you get these ideas. I'm really interested to hear how you how you develop them. You know, so for example, do you keep a notebook, right, um, or do you just say I have an idea and you go to a piece of canvas or a piece of paper at school and start working it all the way out? I mean, how do you kind of uh, breed and develop your ideas? Once you kind of say that'd be kind of cool.
1: I, definitely, that it, it's a great question. I it, before in the past I, I, there was a lot of spontaneity to what I would do. Um. Now, I am heavily involved with building a blueprint, having some kind of plan of attack. And uh, the, uh, just like I said, the fight series that I'm working on, there, I mean, there's a plan for everything. Even the, it, it, All the stuff that you see on my website, all the pieces that, have, that over the last four and a half years, even the sculptures, I, I put a plan together so that I know that I'm not wasting time based upon my execution. And it's it's working out. Before when I was in college, it was a lot of spontaneity and happenstance. And, you know, when we're in college, we're still stupid. So, or at least I was, so whatever. <laughs> yeah.
0: so, uh, so how do you, you know, so you kind of refine, you develop your plan. What does your creative process look like? Do you like to, like do a little bit of creation every day or do you like to block out big blocks of time and kind of sprint? You know, how do you like to create your pieces?
1: No, it's an everyday thing for me. Even over the weekends, I'll I'll sneak in some time in the mornings before the actual day gets underway. Uh, again, early riser. And uh, I'll sneak that time in. Um, look forward to it every day woke up this morning giddy about the fact that I was getting ready to, to be able to finish a piece and the resolution of work for me is an exhale. And then as soon as I exhale, it's like, what, what, what did Lou Lou Holtz say? You know, like once you score a touchdown, the question that you should be asking yourself is what's next or, um, Okay. I've been here before. Let's do it again. And not to try to quote Lou Holtz, but that's what his MO was. Very cool. And do you prefer to work on one piece at a time, or do
0: you like to have multiple things going?
1: No, definitely. I've learned that over the years, it's imperative that I stay the course because I'm a, I'm a rabid dog. I'm all over the place. I really am. And, you know, I, I'm like Squirrel. You know, and if I let myself go there and don't finish a piece or stay the course on the one piece, then it will sit stagnant and it will I won't have any resolution. And there's no reason to put any unfinished work. I, I know artists all the time they'll put the progress of their stuff on, and me and this. This is just me being a jughead. I don't understand. I, don't, I, I, I and that's selfish of me because I understand the process being an artist, but I want to see the finished product of what you're giving me so that I can look and enjoy that. It's kind of like going to a museum. I'm not looking at, I'm looking at finished products. I'm not looking at in process pieces. So I, I'm definitely all about staying the course and finishing my work. And when you create a piece, do you create it for yourself or do you have an audience in mind? Sometimes the commission work is, most recently the commission work is is show the consumer piece by piece by piece to make sure that they're pleased as we move along. Again, I'm at the helm. I get to direct all of that. But on, conversely, I am making a lot of work right now for myself i have a show april 13th at mountain blue gallery in banner elk from three to six and uh for those of you listening uh please put it on your calendar april 13th which is a saturday from three to six at mountain blue gallery in banner elk i will be there and i hope that you can come see what i do very cool. And, you know, for like a one of your kind of original
0: acrylics, how long would it take you to produce a piece? Just so people kind of have an idea about how much time is reflected in a piece of your artwork.
1: On average, I'm going to give you a window. It's anywhere between that 15 to 22 hour range a lot of times I'll I'll get a piece to a point where I feel as though it's finished. And this is this this is me punching myself in the face because I just said I work on a piece until it's done. I'll work on a piece until I feel it's done. And then after about ten days of being away from it, I'll glance at it and I'll be like, Oh, well, you missed that, you ding dong. And I'll go back and I'll put some more time and then I'll find something else. And, and, you know, a little bit here, a little bit there, and average time frame, anything over 18, 19, 20. Uh, some pieces, like the Lenco Viaduct piece, I spent 35 hours on it. Wow. So,
0: And so you, you mentioned that you've got a show coming up in Banner Elk, um, but... I suspect you've got artwork probably current, currently on display in Charlotte and other places. Can you share with uh, my listeners if they want to go take a look at some of your stuff not on the internet and see it up close and personal? Where can they find it?
1: Um, I've got, uh, oddly enough, I don't have anything up in Charlotte right now at this moment because a lot of my stuff is down with me uh, as I'm getting ready for the show in, in April. Uh, I do have work at uh, Mossy Creek Outfitters in uh, Harrisburg. Virginia right now. And I do have, uh, some of my, my, my bling, my apparel, uh, at Tuckasegee fly shop in Bryson. And, um, I think I have uh, quite a few pieces, prints, uh, peppered around Charlotte with people that are, that are local, that are figuring out who I am and are digging in a little bit to try to get a piece of what I'm doing.
0: Very cool. And you mentioned you've got your, um, got your show in Bannerel. Can you share any other projects you're working on right now that you want to tell us about?
1: Uh, I have, uh, the fly fishing film tours are hot spots that I'm hitting. I just, uh, well, unfortunately I missed the Bryson city fly fishing film tour, which happened this last weekend. Uh, I think it was like the 23rd, February. Um, but I I have the fly fishing film tour coming up in, um, In March here in Charlotte. And uh, there are quite a few that are in Georgia coming up uh, peppered throughout the course of the summer. And I will be attending those. Um, But again, everything is directed towards me.
0: Yeah and we'll uh, we'll drop all those showings uh in the show notes and obviously our friends at Jesse Browns are bringing bringing the one here. I think it's the 3rd week in March and I know it's at the Visual Light because that's where it's been forever. Yeah, the 21st. It's yeah. a
1: Thursday night and I think it starts at uh doors open at 5:30. Yeah. yeah.
0: And I'll put a link in the show notes yeah. for everybody and Absolutely. And in terms of artwork projects, uh any kind of like lines of paintings or themes that you're developing so people can kind of see you know like you talked about the fight as being kind of a a line of prints you're working on or there's some things like that you might want to share with our listeners
1: yeah the again to springboard off of what you're talking about right now I've started a series called the fight Uh, it's my watercolor work Um, I'm not just linear with my acrylic Uh, you know again going back to Ron Taylor in in college he was all about diversity and diversified talents, not just being linear with one skill set with acrylic painting or with your sculpture, um, but to build on it. And I'm doing the, the series in watercolor right now because I love that permeability of watercolor and I love the, the rawness of what it gives. It's still a very graphic quality, which I paint very, it, again, that contemporary realism refined, but it gives me that, that permeability of water where, you know, physics, water always finds its equilibrium. You know, water, the, the, the pigment will actually go all over the place if you don't have or harness some kind of control. And I love what it does because, you know, pigments melding on the page and I can still manipulate that and it's fun. And it's, it's energizing to me. But outside of that series, I'm, I'm, I'm moving into other realms of en- enthusiast marks. And when I say enthusiast marks, I'm talking about like golf outside of fly fishing. And this is me not being linear in just being an angler painter. Although I love it, and it's my, my bag, and it's what I'm most passionate about, I still hold you know, myself in some regard that I can I can dig in and, and pretty much do anything that I want to do. And that sounds arrogant and it sounds egotistical, but, you know, as an artist, you, you find a way, especially if you're hungry. And my point to that is my wife for the last four years had been begging me or no, I'm not going to say begging. She'd been saying, "I want this, I want this painting," and I would look at it and I would be like, "That's horrible. Why would you want this painting? We're not going to pay this money from this particular artist because I can do that at home." And for four years, she kept saying, "Well, why aren't you doing anything?" And this is this is <laughs> where the rubber meets the road. I finally broke down and I did a uh, a birch tree painting, a uh, Blue Ridge birch, and I. I did that and my wife just I mean she gushed over it she really loved the the painting and the entire time and I hope my wife is not going to ever hear this podcast but my wife loved the piece and I was absolutely it was literally like putting my arm in a meat grinder doing this work because it, it wasn't my style but yet it the subject matter in the visual and all the the information that was in the piece was just it wasn't me but I was very capable of being able to handle it, so. But we do what we do for our loved ones.
0: There you go, heard it here first, folks. <laughs> so uh, absolutely. So before we uh, we part ways this afternoon, Brian, you want to tell people where they can find
1: you on social media and on the internet? Absolutely, you can find me at www. dot co. That's h o o k e d f l y c o dot com and my instagram handle is b dot hooked fly company that's b h e s t e r dot h w o k e d f l y c o m p a n y and facebook i really don't care about facebook i think it's the devil so i mean if you find me on facebook good for you awesome And, uh, did I say that? Am I allowed to say that on the podcast? Yeah, you can say that. Um, you know, uh... A lot of people don't agree. That's fine. Yeah. Go so, find me on Facebook. Yeah. They'll, awesome. You'll be
0: punished by the social media guides, but it's okay.
1: <laughs> That's fine. I'll take the hit. Um, Absolutely.
0: Well, listen, I really appreciate you spending some time with me this afternoon. And uh, folks, I appreciate you listening. Uh, I'd really appreciate it if you liked this episode, if you would subscribe and the podcatcher of your choice It would really help me with my advertisers. And if you wouldn't mind giving me a review in iTunes, I'd really appreciate it. Thanks again, Brian.
1: Hey, Marvin, I really appreciate you taking the time to do this with me. And uh, this is a game changer. So. Oh,
0: it's my pleasure. It's been a ton of fun. Oh,
1: also, also, those uh, those folks who are listening, uh, my cell phone number, which I probably shouldn't do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. My cell phone is 704-519-5757. Um, after you hear the podcast, if you want to give me a call or send me a text and uh, you want to take a look at some of the work, I'll give you 25% off uh, any of my paintings, that of which have not sold, as well as 25% off my prints that I have in stock. That's
0: awesome. That's phenomenally generous of you. I really appreciate it. Well, listen, it's been a lot of fun. Everybody uh, have a great day. Tight lines and uh, great fishing. Tight lines.